Welcome to the Desert Life Church podcast. We're so excited that you tuned in to hear our weekend message. From wherever you're listening from, we hope you are encouraged by this message. So is there any question that you'll be found? <laughs> the question is, do you feel like you belong? Okay, so um, in the first service, I took the opportunity to uh, seek revenge on people I love very much. I'm sorry that you missed that, but I'm not going to do that this service. Because believe it or not, I went overtime. <clears throat> so I'm going to stay in my lane now. All right, so the readiness question we have this one. First of all, for those of you who don't know me, because I have been gone for like two and a half years, and this is my first year back, um, my name is Judy. I'm married to the rather attractive individual, at least I think so, that was up here for the men's ministry. So I'm the better half. I'll say that. I'm cool with that. Okay, thanks, babe. <laughs> okay, so the readiness question is are we ready to belong? And if we want to belong and help others, we must be ready. Easy enough? Good? Okay. Stanley C. Allen said, the most useful person in the world today is a man or woman who knows how to get along with other people. Human relations is the most important science in living. Not everyone has the skills to initiate, build, and sustain good and healthy relationships. Some of us grew up in dysfunctional households where we didn't have good role models and good positive relationships to model our lives after. Some people are focused on themselves so much that they don't even take the time to see those around them. And there's still others of us that look through the lens of pain because of all the bad hurt that we have experienced. What happens to us determines how we see things. So in answering the question, are we ready to belong? We have to ask ourselves first, am I ready to belong? So you know how you normally you hear a really good word at church or something and you're like, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. Oh, if so-and-so was just here, they could finally get that. Oh, if so-and-so was here, today could have been the life-changing day for them. Today, the question is, do I belong? So let's bring every thought, captivity, unto the obedience of Christ today and ask ourselves about myself. Does this word apply to me? Can you show me me, God? So take everybody else out. We good? We ready? All right, let's walk into the roller coaster ride. Some of you, um, there are three principles that we're going to talk about today, and some of you may recognize them from John Maxwell's teaching. He's a pastor and teacher on leadership. These three principles are the lens principle, the mirror principle, and the pain principle. Today, I'm going to share with you on the lens principle. Jesus was asked, and it comes out in Mark 12, in verse 30, 31, he was asked, what are the two greatest commandments? In there, verse 31, he said the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't know if you're one of those people that just read the word and be like, oh, that was good and walk away. The word is supposed to be applicable to our lives. We're supposed to walk it out and live it out. So um, when I was younger in the Lord, when I first got saved, I had an older, wiser woman come tell me I wore my heart on my sleeve. Um, I was a little bothered by that. I didn't know if I fully understood what that meant, but I was a giver. Um, only thing I really took on was other people's stuff. I was, I was always available. I would say yes to anything that didn't put a microphone in my hand. I have grown. And I would do whatever I thought the underdog needed done. And then um, I needed to do it well or I felt disappointed in myself. So one day I was praying about the scriptures. Do I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? The first commandment. And then the second one, do I love my neighbor as myself? We all struggle with people. But I was asking God sincerely, do I love my neighbor as myself? And God stopped me and told me basically no. 
But the problem wasn't that I didn't love people. The problem was I didn't love myself. And he said, can you please stop loving people until we can fix this in you? So a lot of the issues and problems we have is not that person or that circumstance you're dealing with. It's you. It's the lens through which you're looking. The lens principle, who we are, determines how we see others. And why do we struggle with this so much? How we see each other determines how we react to each other and how we treat each other. Our experience and what we carry inside filters how we see it and becomes the lens through which we view life. The way we view each other is determined by who we are and how we naturally treat each other based on our memory. Our perceptions of people is how we treat people. And so the definition of perception, it's going to be a little scientific here, is a recognition and interpretation of sensory stimulus based upon our memory. All that means is, you ever walk into a store and they're playing the music and it flashes back right back to that age that you were when that song came out, the clothes you had on, maybe who you were with, or a smell. You know, some smells will turn you completely off. Other smells will bring you right back to your childhood or a really good memory. There's nothing we can do about that. That just happens. And that's based off a perception you had of that memory. Okay, so in Auburn University, they did a study. And cognitive neuroscientists did a study on the brain. And they said that our conscious is only about 5% of our cognitive activity, what we're conscious of. The other 95%, our decisions, actions, emotions, and behavior, depends on brain activity that goes far beyond our conscious awareness. So that might explain a lot, too, when you're dealing with people only operating on 5% of our frontal, uh, frontal lobe. But think about it. Anybody drive a manual, a stick shift? So can you imagine every time you drove it? Now, I'm going to struggle. I did struggle in the first service because in America, it's over, it's over here. I can't even get it right now. Okay, but in Australia, where's the clutch? Don't let me drive any of your sticks here in Australia. <laughs> so anyway, you, if, can you imagine driving a car and having to go put foot on clutch now, put hand on to stick, push up one, pull back down? You don't have to do that. It's part of your wiring now. It's, it's, it's natural for you. Coffee drinkers? Yeah. All right. Who functions really well without coffee in the morning? Yeah. Can you imagine coffee drinkers getting up and having to go through these steps every morning? I'm up, go to the coffee maker, turn the coffee maker on, fill it with water. How far would you get? And I, hear, I see all your posts, I hear all your comments all the time that you can't function. So you've, you've escalated past that and you've bought the coffee maker that turns on for you, makes it before you get downstairs, right? But I call, you just know what to do for yourself in many areas. For instance, if I read the sentence to you, and see if you can pay attention a little bit more and not get it as late as the last service did. If the sentence said, children make nourishing snacks, our brain will tell us we mean children are making snacks that are nourishing, not that a cannibal wants to eat children. Right? It's intuitive. It's built into your brain to hear it the way that it's meant to be. And then some of you see those posts that are on Facebook as well that say if you're really intelligent, only the super intelligent can read this, and it has the letters backwards, the numbers mixed in there, and you can read the whole paragraph clearly. That is part of your 95% that's back in the back of your brain. It's intuitive for you. It's natural. So our perception of someone or something is formed when our memory is triggered. It's just something you do. It's not something you think about. Some of it can be more traumatic, and it'll be a very specific memory, but you just react to people based off of that 95% of intuition. 
if they do something, smell like something, say something, wear something, it can trigger a reaction in us. And every reaction we have, and every interaction, every interaction is going to pull back from something in our head. The question we have to ask ourselves is what we're pulling back, good or bad? This is how we're wired, and God knows it. The question is, what do we do about it? Or what do I do about it? Look, I wear glasses, um, and I, I tried to like beat it for the longest time. And I was sitting down with a colonel in the army. I'm in the army, and the, my, op, my optometrist. I was going to say obstetrician because that would have been really weird, <laughs> really weird. My optometrist <laughs> was setting the stuff up for my uh, eye exam, and I was like, "Look, what's going on? Why are my eyes getting so bad? I work on computers all day. I figured that was it. You know, I had all these reasons." And he's like, "You're getting old." Ew. Okay, and I was like only 37 maybe at the time. And I was like, okay, this, is, this doesn't bode well because I'm kind of young. So um, he goes on and, and he says, I said to him, well, what if I can't see? What if I got to take it off to see distance and then this to read and I got to interchange quickly? He says, then do manual bifocals. Just go like this. I was like, seriously? He goes, look, try to put this off as long as you can because they're difficult. Well, here I am now with my multifocal lenses. I've got three different areas to see in, little zones and it's very difficult so I have mastered the new incredibly attractive look of mature age people I do this when needed I do this and look completely normal and then I do the most attractive one of all and slowly open my mouth I'm okay with that because that fully cements me into the grandma zone and I'm cool with that it's the best role you can have all right, so the bottom line is I have to make sure to see through these glasses correctly and that they're clean and everything. I have a role to play in that. Being that I'm a little OCD, I have a lot of cleaning things I keep with me, and many of my friends that are close to me know I will ask, do you have anything in your purse, anything in your wallet? I can't stand smudges on my glasses. And I'll keep them clean. And it keeps you safe, honestly, because I'm on the road every day. But God has also given us tools so that we can see clearly. In Ephesians 5... It's probably, it's very hard sometimes when people ask you what your favorite verse in the Bible is. This is probably my most favorite verse in the Bible. When you ask what God's will is for your life or how do I fix a circumstance and everything, you can go through and nitpick. But in Ephesians 5 is a very famous chapter for teaching on relationships. And there's a command given in there that all women love, especially if they're married or getting married. And God told in, in through the word, it said, for the man to love their wife as Jesus Christ loved the church. And we tend to stop right there. Boom, that's good. But if you keep reading 26, it goes on to say the way Jesus Christ loved the church was to sanctify it and clean it through the washing of the water of the word. Yes, that is my most favorite scripture. <laughs> Let me tell you why. How do you fix something that's broken? How do you clean something that's dirty? How do you fix an issue in your life? Right there in Ephesians 5:26, it says Jesus cleaned the whole church through the washing of the water of the word. You have to use the word of God. You've got to be in relationship with him. If I woke up and never spoke to my husband and only went to him when I needed stuff, we wouldn't be on 21 years. I already beat him there anyway, but we're happily married 21 years in. But if I didn't acknowledge him or develop a relationship with him over time and expect it to grow and change and increase, where would we be? It's the same thing with God. You've got to be in the word of God. If you don't like people, I'll put it on me. If I don't like people, that's a testament about me. It's not about the person I don't like. It's what I do with that emotion that's going to speak to my maturity. 
So how do I love my neighbor as myself? That's what the word of God says, right? Well, how do I love my neighbor effectively? You go to the word of God and it says that you ought to judge yourself so that you're not judged, right? And then when you find a fault, it says that you should take the plank out of your own eye before you reach for your brothers, right? We know this. It says that we're to restore our brother when we see him in sin, not talk about him or run to the pastor. Matthew 18 principle, if you've got to art with your brother, you go to them. The word also says that, um, I'm going to lose my place because, you know, I'm old and I'm trying to use technology. Yeah, there we go. That we forgive 70 times 70. Right? That's a lot. And there's a lot of really bad things that have happened to us. But forgiving somebody has nothing to do with making them better. It has everything to do with your healing. It has everything to do with every future relationship you will ever have. So the word told us to forgive 70 times 70. All of this fixes the lenses that we look through in our lives. So look, Groucho Marx was trying to put in a resignation form for a club and he was... Um, what do you call it, famous now, and they didn't want him to leave. And they asked him, why do you want to leave the club? And his response was, I wouldn't want to belong to any club that would accept me as a member. Groucho Marx, ha, 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 right? You know, I've even heard that. We used to have this posted in our church in Texas. It was a long poem, but the basis of the poem was, stop looking for the perfect church, because if you're in it, it's not. <laughs> we belong here. Amen. All right, so if you're, um, oh no, our experience in our life changes the colors of our lens and how we see. Sometimes it dirties it and sometimes it fine tunes it. We are responsible for how we see through that lens and the upkeep of it, even Judah. And we must recognize when we are seeing dirty and we must recognize when we are accountable for whether or not we're cleaning that lens. We must also recognize that God has provided the tools to fix that view through our relationship with him, the people around us, and even the services and programs that can help us get there. Fee teaches a great class on Monday nights that asks you to look inside yourself and see the issues that you might be dealing with. We belong here. Come as you are and let's clean all of our relationships up and the lenses that we have. If you're struggling, don't try to change others. Don't even focus on the other person for a minute. Focus on yourself. As you become the kind of person that you want to be, your view of other people will begin to change. So what's the key question? What is my perception of others? You have to ask yourself that. And then you have to say, do I need God to help me see others differently? Let's pray. This is my prayer, Lord, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and in depth and insight, that you may be able to discern what is best and pure and blameless until the day of Christ. Fill us with the fruit of righteousness, that it might come through Jesus Christ, and that we may glorify and praise you. Cleanse us, Lord, through your washing of the water of your word. Have your way in us, Father. Let us remove anything that will hinder our relationship with you and in any way impact our relationship in this body of Christ and to reach your world. We love you and desire to honor you in all that we see, say, hear, and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So church, the second principle we're going to look at in relation to the question, am I ready to belong, is the mirror principle. Here's my beautiful mirror from my bedroom. So I want you all to take out your mobile phones, and you need to do this, come on. <laughs> Danielle is using my mobile phone. <laughs> And I want you to put on selfie mode. If you don't know how to do this, millennials, perfect. They know how to do this really well. They're really good at selfies. And uh, I want you to take a photo of yourself. 
And I want you to post it to Desert Life Notice Board because I think it'd be fun just to see all the different faces of Desert Life Church. So, so have a look at yourself, though, through, your, through the lens of your camera on your phone. So when you look in the mirror, oh, you notice those lumps and bumps and pimples and all sorts of things that come up. But, you know, it's not nice, is it, sometimes looking at yourself? Does anyone like it? Anyone like looking at themselves? No. (laughs) So we don't always like looking at ourselves. But if people are unaware of who they are and what they do, they often damage relationships with others. The way to change that is to look in the mirror. So consider these truths that we must learn about ourselves. Self-awareness. Human nature seems to endow people with the ability to size up everybody in the world but themselves. Isn't that so true? We can judge someone as soon as we see them. (laughs) Self-image. Your image of yourself restricts your ability to build healthy relationships. A negative self-image will keep a person from being successful. If those with a poor self-image do somehow achieve success, it won't last because they will eventually bring themselves down to the level of their own expectations. Self-honesty. Comedian Jack Parr quipped, Looking back, my life seems like one big obstacle race, with me being the chief obstacle. So what can save us is a willingness to get honest about our shortcomings, our faults, and our problems. In his book, Recovery, Freedom from Our Addictions, comedian Russell Brand confides in his readers about how difficult self-honesty was. And in his turning point from being a rampant addict to finding freedom, he, spokes, he, speaks, spokes, oh, that's a new word. he speaks both about difficult honesty, about how difficult honesty can be, but how essential it is to move forward. So he says, the positive aspects of my character were becoming redundant. It didn't matter that I was bright or kind or talented. These traits were being diluted to the point of irrelevance by the seeping negativity of my addiction. The unmanageability, though, has a disturbing and, in my case, demonstrable clause. When I yield control to that part of myself, when I drink or use or accept any destructive behavior, I don't know when I'll get my life back or what state it will be in when I do. The unmanageability at its heart means that there is a beast in me, and it is in me still. I live in negotiation with a shadow side that has to be respected. There is a wound. I believe that this is more than a characteristic of addiction. I think it is a part of being human. To carry a wound, a flaw, and again, paradoxically, it is only by accepting it that we can progress. He goes on to say, I took step one when I admitted I was powerless over my addiction and that my life had become unmanageable, that I didn't have control no matter what I said to myself and others, and that it was getting worse. I knew there was no way out, that I had fear and shame that I didn't want to face, that I hoped I would never have to. So we go on with self-improvement. Critic Samuel Johnson advised that he who has so little knowledge of human nature as to seek happiness by changing anything but his own disposition will waste his life in fruitless efforts and multiply the grief which he purposes to remove. Self-responsibility. No significant accomplishment can accomplish. 
Accomplishments can be achieved by individual effort. However, every significant accomplishment begins with the vision of one individual. I haven't had coffee, okay? Just let you know. Once we possess the vision, we must take responsibility for carrying it to others. Belonging is both a personal need and a personal responsibility. This quote by John Maxwell, coping with difficult people is always a problem, especially if the difficult person happens to be you. (laughs) So the key question I want to ask this morning is, have I examined myself and taken responsibility for who I am? Have you ever felt like you don't fit, you don't belong, or questioned your ability? So I've been asking those questions over the last 10 years. I'm an ordained pastor, and I've pastored a church in the past with my lovely husband, Jamie. And, uh, you know, when we moved to Alice Springs, I found myself in a really different season of life. I was pregnant with our youngest desire, and uh, I'm a mum to three amazing sons. Desire is one of them, not another three. (laughs) So um, I'm the wife of Pastor Jamie, and I work in admin at Arrowloon Christian College. And I volunteer here at Desert Life Church wherever I can. So if someone asks, I generally say yes, um, and have learned to say no over the years. <laughs> and, uh, but I have always questioned, where do I fit in? And I was talking to Jamie about this a couple of weeks ago. And um, yeah, I'd been praying about this for a little while. And uh, I don't like being up here. I, it's very scary. That's why I haven't had coffee, because I'm too scared to drink it <laughs> yet. Um, but uh, I made a pact with God 14 years ago, and I said, uh, if I'm ever asked to speak in public, I will say yes, And because uh, it really does get me out of my comfort zone. So I was talking to Jamie about this a couple of weeks ago, and the very next day, I receive an email from Pastor Ben, who is inviting me to be part of a platform team. <sighs> So I hadn't even responded to the email. And the next day, Pastor Ben emails and said, and you're preaching next week. Okay. (laughs) So the last 10 years have been a journey for me. And it's one where I've been able to be a mum to our three sons, uh, a supportive wife. And I've said yes, wherever I've been needed. I had to take a look in the mirror and I'm still taking looks in the mirror. (laughs) And uh, I needed God to show me me differently. You know, I've grown in the last 10 years. I've healed from past hurts, but I've still got more areas to grow in. And God, I know, is not finished with me yet. So when you get home today, I want you to look in the mirror, or maybe, you know, tonight when you're brushing your teeth, and uh, I want you to ask yourself, you know, do I need God to help to see me? Do I need God to help me see myself differently? And when I examine myself, what needs to grow? And what needs to heal? And what could I open up more to God's transforming love and grace? And if you want to come tomorrow night, I'm running Search for Life. Just a little plug here. Seven o'clock here at the church. And it's a great course for answering some of those questions. So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for every heart that is here today, every life, Lord. And I thank you, Father God, that, Lord, you would just help us this year to look at ourselves in the mirror and to really ask ourselves those hard questions that we don't want to ask. And, Lord, I pray that we would learn to love ourselves and see ourselves differently. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Having the first two points been great? Am I ready to belong? The third principle we'll be looking at when it comes to the question, am I ready to belong, is the pain principle. The pain principle. 
It's all your fault. You're the reason this is failing. You've been a failure all your life, always have been, always will be. There were words that were spoken over me not so long ago. See, I'm glad I chose not to receive them. What a verbal attack. My initial response was, where is this coming from? Have you ever been in a situation where the issue isn't actually the real issue? Hurting people hurt people, and they easily hurt them, or easily hurt by them. I'm sorry. Hurting people hurt people and are easily hurt by them. German, the German poet Hermann Hesse wrote, If you hate a person, you hate something that is in him that is a part of yourself. What isn't part of ourselves doesn't disturb us. So in other words, if it, there isn't an issue, you shouldn't be bothered by it, by what is said, what is going on. Hurting people, they lash out. And it is a response to what's happening inside them more than what is going on around them. They feel or believe something negative within themselves. You know, it's a problem we face is that people who don't believe in themselves, they will never succeed. And the sad thing is they keep those who are around them from succeeding as well. Not only do hurting people hurt others, they are also easily hurt by others. Our theme is, are you ready to belong? We are a group of people. I know I'm stating the obvious, but as we do life together, it's not a matter of if, but sadly when pain is going to come up. How are we going to respond to that pain? You know, I just want to give you a tip this morning. Anytime a person's response is larger than the issue at hand, the response is almost always about something else. If you find yourself dealing with a hurting person, my encouragement for you this morning is don't take it personally. I could have taken those words personally which were spoken over me recently and allowed them to cripple me, to destroy me, to hinder me from the calling God has on my life. Don't allow it to destroy you. Don't allow it or don't take it personally. It's hard, I know. John McDonald once said, every problem introduces a person to himself pretty powerful insight. You know, each time we encounter a painful experience, you and I get to know ourselves a little better as we reflect. Maybe not be, we may not be able to change every uh, situation, but you and I can certainly change how we respond to situations. And the next time you find yourself in the midst of a bad experience, can I encourage you to remind yourself that you're on the cusp of an opportunity to change and to grow. So the next time you find yourself, let's just think, what can I learn from this? How can I grow? 
How can I respond? And can I encourage you when dealing with others, let's be people who look beyond the person and the situation and look for the problem at hand. Try not to be people who add to his or her hurt. And forgive those who lash out at you, as difficult as it may seem, but try and help them and yourself move on. Let's be people who are committed to being people of grace. You know, we all have work to do in ourselves. We're all a work in progress. Now, I just wonder, have you ever heard of the quote, just be yourself? I know I've said it at times, but I think when you think about it, be yourself is probably the worst advice we can give someone. How about we say, be a better whole version of yourself? God's calling you to wholeness, my friend. And my key question for you this morning is, do I hurt people or am I too easily hurt by them? Our key response point this morning is, do I need God to heal me in any area of past pain? Can I ask God to help me not hurt others? and not be easily hurt by them? Or which areas of life is God's Spirit promoting me to grow in and change? We're going to pray in just a moment. But my plead with you this morning is, will you be a better whole person? Will you see life and speak life into others? Maybe traumatic things have happened to you in your life. Don't allow it to hinder you or rob you of a bright future. Here at church, we've got great counsellors. We have great people, qualified counsellors that can help you get through. But we also have the greatest counsellor, and that is God. Why don't we pray? I want to ask God to help us with challenges, with pain that we face or maybe have faced that affect our outlook on life. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for each and every person that's here this morning or listening into this podcast. God, I pray for pain, for past hurts, even present hurts right now, that you are just prompting us. Help us to address them and deal with them. I pray your grace, your comfort, your peace upon each person here this morning. And Lord, I pray for us collectively as one united body that we would love one another, honour one another, support one another and always seek the best for one another. Have your way in and through us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, please consider joining us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at desertlifechurch.org forward slash give. Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Have a great week.